Hello everyone, this is Isaac Petrie. Welcome to the podcast. Be ready to be encouraged and enlightened as we discuss spiritual solutions for everyday life. Well, hello and welcome back to the podcast. And listen, I want you to help me share this word. So please like it, subscribe to it, share it with someone else. And of course, if you want any kind of information on Isaac Petrie Ministries, please just go to IsaacPetrie.org. See if you would like to be a part of our network, Second Kings Global Network. And I believe it will bless your life. Listen, I want to dive right on into the podcast talking about something that has been very controversial in the body of Christ. There's been a lot of, I believe, misunderstanding, misrepresentation of it, and it is centered around the gospel of grace. This gospel of grace, what is grace? What are the boundaries to grace? And how does God view grace, sin? How does he view inclusion, all of these things, freedom? What does the Bible say about grace? So I'm going to give you chapter and verse on it, scripture on it, so that you can get a balanced view of grace, because some people call it hyper grace, Some people call it greasy grace. Some people call it a lot of things. But I believe the truth is somewhere in the middle between the people who say you can't do this, do that or do that. Are you going to hell versus the people that say because of God's grace, then your sins are covered and nobody goes to hell for sin. And basically, you're accepted in God because of God's grace. So you no longer have to keep the law. You know, no longer have to keep certain standards. Where is the truth? And like anything, pretty much the truth is in the middle. Whenever you see these extremes, you're going to one side of the ditch or the other. But the Bible is basically right down the middle of the road. It's centered. It's truth. And what happens is because we're trying to avoid certain things in the word of God, we take these extreme measures. So don't ever forget that extreme measures come from either trying to avoid or either trying to emphasize something of your own personal nature that brings error into the gospel. And so when something happens to us, we become injured, we become offended or a situation arises, then we try to now navigate and change the word of God to fit our situations. And that's when error comes in. The Bible is of no private interpretation. I mean, we've got to stick with what the apostle Paul laid out in scripture. It is the apostle Paul that basically gave the revelation of the new covenant. Even when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read the writings of Jesus. Now, hear what I'm about to say clearly. Everything that Jesus said needs to be followed, needs to be um, explained. It needs to be lived by. However, the apostle Paul, though, in the epistles, explains to you what Jesus accomplished during the resurrection and the establishment of the new covenant 
which was inaugurated, inaugurated, excuse me, when Jesus rose from the dead. So the book of Acts all the way through Revelations is the new covenant. Revelations of the new covenant is the apostle Paul that wrote most of it. And then, of course, James and John and Peter, Jude, um, wrote the rest of it. And so we need to make sure we stick with what the apostle Paul said. What did Jesus say? What did Paul say? What did Peter, James, John say? And anything else outside of those revelations and interpretations need to be discarded. We don't need anything new. We have a sure thing. We don't need a new thing. And so now it comes down to really rightly dividing the word. And people have so many preferences. This is why they get confused because they hit the book trying to make the book say what they want it to say. But you can't do that. Paul called that handling the word of God deceitfully. You can't enter into it trying to make it say or think like you want it to say or think. No, you have to say, what did Paul mean? What was the context? What was the text or the verse in the context of the conversation? What did he mean by it? And what is the spiritual revelation that comes from it? And when it comes to grace, what I'm about to say is probably going to bother both sides of this. The side that say you can do anything you want to do because of grace or the side that says, no, just because you say by grace means you got to live holy, holy, pure and spotless and without blemish if you want to make it into heaven or if you want a relationship with God. Both of these extremes are basically inaccurate. So now what is grace? Jesus gave the most most uh, embodied revelation of grace that anybody could give because he was it. He represented it. And so John said in John chapter number one, and this is the gospel of John, John chapter number one, it talks about when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. But I want to skip down to verse number 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld the glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. That Jesus revealed the glory of the Father, and it was full of grace and truth. And that's why you see Jesus operating in great grace, but you also see him operating in great truth. Neither one of them cancel out the other. You can't have grace and ignore truth. And then you can't just have standard and truth and ignore grace. They both go together. Grace and truth. Oh, this is good. See, and therein lies the error. Two sides are either trying to 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 emphasize grace And the other side is only trying to emphasize truth when the Bible says Jesus was full of them both. And there is a way to maximize truth without minimizing grace 
And there is a way to maximize grace without minimizing truth because they are both equally important. And Jesus was the embodiment of it. Therefore, you will see instances where he extends much grace, like for the woman that was caught in adultery. That's a very familiar passage of scripture. Everybody knows that scripture about the woman being caught in adultery. And then the accusers all show up to stone her. And then Jesus says he without sin cast the first stone. And of course, they all dropped their rocks and walked away because they had no right to stone the woman for a sin because In all reality, they had been sinning and probably did things worthy of stoning them. And, you know, I don't get into all of the semantics of what Jesus wrote and whether he wrote down their adulterous affairs or whatever. The point of the matter is this. Jesus, with the woman caught in adultery, told her plain as day, lady, Where are your accusers? And she said, there are none. And then he said, neither do I condemn thee. And then this is all in John chapter number eight. I I need to just read it. It's in John chapter number eight. Let me let me just flip there um, instead of just quoting it so that I could just give you the scripture and verse, because this is crucial for you to understand the revelation of how grace works. Okay, the woman is caught in adultery, John chapter number eight, verse number one. And the scribes and Pharisees brought the woman caught in adultery, set her in the midst. Verse number four saying, they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman is caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Because they were testing him. They were trying to catch him in a trap. Now, Jesus stooped down and began to write in the ground in the finger with his finger as though he did not hear them. So when they continued to ask, he said, he without sin among you, let him throw the first stone. He who is without sin among you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because there were more sins than that one that Moses talked about in the law. Worthy of consequences. But when they continued asking him, he he told them he without sins. Then he stooped down and began to write again on the ground. Those who heard it being convicted in their conscience began to drop their stones from the oldest even to the to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said, woman, where are thy accusers? She says, and then he asked, has no one condemned you? She said, no one. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, that is the perfect, perfect revelation of grace and truth that when Now that Christ is here, he's coming to pay the price for sins so that your sins no longer bring you judgment from God. 
They no longer bring you condemnation from God. They no longer bring you bring you into a point of death and separation from God through Christ. This is what he's coming. He's coming to offer forgiveness for sin. However, his forgiveness of sin does not erase the standard for you to abstain from it. And so even though he offers her much grace and forgiveness and does not condemn her, he tells her, go and sin no more. Don't do it again. Why? Because even though grace is going to free you from condemnation and judgment from God to the point of death and destruction when it comes from God and separation, sin is still destructive and sin will still destroy you. It will destroy your life. This woman was in adultery, destroying relationships. Sin is toxic in all of its ways. And just because God's grace is there to forgive us does not mean he removes the standard of truth. Grace gives you an opportunity to not do it again, not to do it again. Grace offers you the opportunity not to do it again. And so this is where the confusion is. The confusion is the fact that since we're under grace, then we're no longer required to be obedient to the word of God, to the laws of God, to the truth of God, to what God said not do. Because after all, God does not judge us. He does not condemn us. That is true. There is forgiveness offered. However, number one, you have to be born again in order to receive that forgiveness. It's not offered to everybody. It's offered to the children of the most high God. So number one, you have to be born again. And then number two, since you are born again, then Romans 6 and 1, and this is where I'm going to close it out um, today. Romans 6 and 1 is an amazing verse. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse number two says, certainly not. How shall we who, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? See, the born again experience is supposed to produce a death to the sin nature. That's what being born again is. It's a, the death of the sin nature and it is the resurrection of the life and the nature of Christ in your spirit where you no longer desire. So anybody who is trying to use being born again or the grace of God as an excuse to do what they want to do. I question those, those, the legitimacy of their new birth of their born again experience, because when you're dead to sin, you don't want to live any longer in it. Um, even when you're in it, you're trying to grow out of it. You're trying to get out of it. That's why you feel conviction. That's why you feel, you know, anger and frustration because there is no longer in you a desire to do those things. 
And so now you want to lay those things aside. You don't want to commit adultery. You don't want to, you know, do drugs. You don't want to steal, murder. You don't want to do those things anymore if you are born again, because the born again experience is the death to the sin nature. And so grace allows us all of that. So now when you get born again, now we begin the process of trying to eliminate sin. (laughs) We're in the process now of trying to get it out of our lives because we have been born again. We've been accepted by this free grace of God. And so as we're trying to work it out, when we fall, when we miss it, when we fall back into certain things, when we yield to certain temptations, now through the grace of God, through the relationship I have now with the Father, He no longer condemns me. He no longer judges me. He no longer casts me aside. My sins no longer separate me from Him. No, when I sin now, I come boldly to the throne of grace and I say, Okay, Father, help me. Help me to get out of this. Help me to get delivered. Teach me what I need to know. Give me the strength. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. Empower me. These are the things you look for under grace. And the father comes in just like that lady caught in adultery and says, "Okay, I'm going to forgive you. But look, we got to break this. We got to get out of this. We got to stop doing this because sin carries consequences. It carries consequences. It's like the person who was addicted to certain things in their life and, you know, they got born again. So they no longer want that addiction. They no longer want that lifestyle. So they're trying to clean their life up and they 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 end up slipping and smoking a a joint again. Well, because of the born again experience and because you are now offered the grace of God And the gift of righteousness, God no longer condemns you. He no longer condemns you because you fail one time. No, he says, okay, come boldly to the throne of grace, find grace to help in the time of need. I will forgive that. I will, I I won't condemn you from it. It does not separate you from me. Now that's beautiful. That's amazing grace. That's amazing grace. But now. What if that one time, though, you slipped up and you smoked that weed, it was laced with fentanyl and you overdosed and ended up dying? Even though grace was afforded to you, even though grace was extended in no condemnation, because you did fall back in that and ended up with a bad batch of fentanyl laced weed. You shorten your life. So grace does not eliminate consequences. This is why we must try our best to stay out of sin because sin is destructive. So God is, Jesus is the perfect picture of grace and truth. And in order to live like God wants us, we need both of them. So let's just walk in both of them. In Jesus' name, I'll see y'all next week. Be blessed. I pray you were blessed by today's podcast. Take a moment and subscribe to it and review it and share it with someone else so that we can stay connected. Be blessed.